You're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Bites, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast.com and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 316th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in sunny Orlando, Florida. Hey, this is Matt in Minneapolis getting ready for the possibly longest Slow Ride Podcast ever. And this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts, where you guys, I've spent the last hour and a half, I think, uh, watching carefully the British baking show, great British baking show, to make sure there was not another cycling reference in this episode that just dropped. There was not. I've wasted a lot of time. Well, or you probably learned some great new recipes or something. Oh, I don't know. My my macaroons are going to be incredible, but it doesn't help me because that was my allotted time for watching um, the Giro stage today. So I have no idea what happened. Okay, guys, we'll, we'll get time out. <laughs> no, no, like, here's the deal. You guys asked for a tight 30 opening segment here on what could be the most bipolar week of my life. Okay. Okay. Tell us, Mark. It was miserable last week at the World Championships. I refused to even come on the podcast Mm -hmm. last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because of the outcome of the World Championships. We, We kind of danced around that a little bit on the show, me and little guy. We didn't want to out you as a... As a protest uh, to Ala Philippe's win, but um, yeah. Oh, I he's he is the bad guy. He is horrible. <laughs> um, so it was a long week. It was very depressing week. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the week came in. We got the EF kits, and I was yeah. like, oh, things Tr- are trending upwards. Okay, yeah. like this is that that this this week's starting a little bit better. Oh, two like. UCI short track mountain bike races. I was like, oh, this this is getting cool, right? Things are getting better. And then two World Cups at Nova Mestro in the mountain bike dirt side. I was like, all right. Week's slowly ramping uh-huh. up. Yeah. And then we get to Bink Bank. And Matthew Vanderpool just goes on a 50K solo effort to win up the mirror multiple times. Yeah. Um, things looking good. Did, oh, and then f- did flesh happen? Did that happened happen? on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. happened on Wednesday last week. Oh, yeah. Who even right. knows? Hershey. Okay. Helium kisses. Yeah, Hershey. Hershey. Kisses. Helium kisses. kisses. Um, so here's the deal. Things were looking really. They're just getting slowly better. Yeah. So this week's had. And then today, your mood turned around. You were you was a spring in your step. You're feeling yeah, better. I was like, I was like, I'm ready to get on the uh-huh. podcast. Now, mind you, the pinnacle of the week is my son learning how to ride a bike. So you would think that would be the pinnacle of my week. Yeah. You would say, gotta be. wow, things cannot possibly get better than Saturday when, when little Hymar, a mere three years old is crushing the pedal yeah. bike. Major shout outs to friend of the pod, Colby cheesy, um, in North Carolina for hooking us up with some sweet kid bikes, by the way, that nice. was awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Friend gotta of the be, Ultimate gotta be a highlight of your life. Nothing, nothing's oh, gonna top. And that. I put the, I put the bikes yeah. together with a friend. It's up there. He's got a twelve inch. He's got a sixteen inch. It's up there. It's. <laughs> you've seen the video. My hands yeah, are in the great. air, cheering when it happens. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pinnacle of my life. Oh boys! And then today happened. Oh, 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 oh what a wonderful day. It was what shaping up today, to too? be. Also a great day. Liege, Bastogne, Liege happened. And it was, I thought I was going back down to the seventh layer of hell once again when I saw Alaphilippe attack with 14K to go. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, Albacini's attack, glorious way to go out on a sword. Yep. Loved it. Definitely. All about it. 13 years retirement attack. Alaphilippe goes. And he's like crazy all over in the final K. Everyone's going to talk about it. 
Everyone's going to talk about the relegation, which is he should not have been relegated. He should what? not have been relegated. Let me tell you why he should right, not have been. Right. It, listen here. This is why he should this not have been not relegated. This is not the direction so I he would have this to go. He should not have been relegated so he could have stood on that second step of the podium and wallow in the shame that not only was he wearing mm-hmm. the world championship stripes, he was riding arguably the ugliest world championship bike paint job I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> that it was so hideous that he even swapped out his bikes at some point during the race. I don't know why, probably a good reason why, but he got rid of that ugly trash paint job. And he <laughs> lost when he posted up too early uh-huh. with his $130,000 watch. And Primoz Roglic, of all people, bike throws him at the line for the win. It was glorious. As- I love my son. I love my son learning how to ride his bike a ton. I checked with my wife earlier today. She's not listening to the podcast anymore. I think I have a pretty long runway to say. This this is right up there with my son learning to ride a bike. This this could go down as one of the best weekends, cycling weekends in my life after what happened to Alaphilippe. So today. here's the thing. Oh, now, so much hate. What? It's not hate. <laughs> okay okay sure. there's a little yeah, bit yeah. of hate just a tedium go, no, go on, feelings go on. about uh, feelings about ala philippe aside now tim let's pretend that um it's anyone just generic world champion put anyone in that kit okay. um igor astrola a, a perfect example of a a, a non <laughs> yes. you know uh, whatever anyway um does what happened in the last K of Liege Bastogne Liege is it, did he do damage to the reputation? Like as it, I don't even know exactly what I'm asking, but I feel like nothing that happened that Alaphilippe did in the last K of Liege Bastogne Liege should have ever happened by anyone wearing a world championship kit. Under any circumstance, oh, yeah. like those were not just bad moves. They were not just end of race tired moves. They were like cat four moves. All of them. Is yeah. there any justification? Is there any coming back from this? Has he tarnished the world championship stripes? Uh, no, I think he's French. So, so one, he's French and he, he'd been, he's on the upswing and the French love a lovable loser. So he needed to screw up. I think this is all calculated. He needs to screw up <laughs> just bad enough that the French, because he probably lost a lot of French fans by winning the world championships. They were like very excited for about three minutes, and then they were like, ah, nah, no good um, because of it. Now they're back on his side. Uh, they know the rest of the world, like us, were hating on him. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna fight for him again. I mean, <laughs> to do that in literally your first race in the kit. Does that set a tone for the next year? Like, I thought Mads Peterson kind of got screwed in his world championship year, but I think uh, Ala Philippe may have a worse time. Like he, he may have a lot more uh, damage control to do. Yes. Well, I, I see what you're saying. I say I don't care because he's tarnished tarnished his legacy so much that it's beyond the world <laughs> let, championship. Let me, <laughs> let me put it this way: if this clears it up for you. I think what happened in the last K of LBL by Alaphilippe is more offensive. The worst? More offensive to the to the world championship <laughs> jersey than wearing white bibs with that jersey. Okay, that's good. I'm with you, Spencer. Like this was horribly embarrassing. I it will take him a while. Like this is there will be a redemption tour of Alaphilippe. I mean, the entire Quick Step team has to be embarrassed. Um, I just. There's just so much here, and I think it all comes down to the erratic riding that he was doing anyway. It was so weird. But then also the track record of... Al- yeah, it was like... It was worse than the Cat 4 crit that we used to do. I never did something like that. And then you add in, like, just his villainness. Right. Um, And I, I want to get back to this earlier leaking of the photo of the, the bike. That... The paint job on that bike is hideous. Trek's, like... Trek's world championship whole kit setup mm-hmm. was way better than what Quick Step 
specialized brought to the table. Can we just, I just want to throw that out there. Yes. I may be biased I redo because the we know the person, because we know the, the artist behind the design of the bike, friend of the pod, Micah Moran, great graphic designer. At Trek. But that, yeah, at Trek, that specialized thing was, I mean, it was bad. Um, it was really bad. Yeah, you know, it's not like Specialized hasn't had world championships before. Uh, they should. That looked yeah, okay. Yeah, they should have. Sagan had a good looking bike. A fine understanding of what to do. I, I it is, it is a, a disappointing, but um, that's the least of my concerns with Ala Philippe's uh, uh, okay. campaign here as world so, champion. Oh man, what a horrible start for a world championship campaign, right? Like, how, I guess anywhere up, anywhere else is up. But let's get to a couple of things. Curse here. of the Jersey. Primos Roglic taking the win. Primos Roglic taking the win. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know if you saw the the tweet from the team, uh Lotto uh sorry, Yumbo Visma. Um, a great software company in Norway, uh Visma. Um, I don't know if you saw the uh where he says like, Hey, I finally won something. Yeah. <laughs> to like his team. That was great. I, I love Roglic that much more now. Mm-hmm. Um and I I just I feel so good to have a villain in cycling, and there's no better way than the villain that gets instant karmic justice. Even yes. Taylor Finney tweets Ugh. immediately after it happened. He tweeted instant karma. So yeah. we have friend of the pod Dan Craven liking our tweets about this. Like yeah. that clearly there are cyclists. So that we need are to not- we need to quickly uh, we need to parse this out and rank uh, what the worst, most egregious things about. Ella Philippe's last K were because he had the huge swerve at one K to go <laughs> out of nowhere. Then he had the yep. uh, shutting of the door and then he had the posting up too early. So what he is so lucky he got relegated. <laughs> oh my God. What in your mind was the wildest thing? Like people have posted up early before that's, you know, it's a thing that happens yeah, sometimes, but, but- but he's, he's doing the whole. He's wearing the world championship stripes, dude. It's the world, the world championship stripes. He's looking like Jesus on the cross. Like he had his arms so wide, mm-hmm. like just <laughs> he's very proud. Leaning, he had the lean. He had the proud. lean back. Yep, he had the lean. And then he didn't even look to his right. And it's Roglic, like of all people, the ski jumper. You didn't see him coming. Um, and then the best part of that photo behind him is Pogacar. With his head on his head, like his hand on his head, yeah. going like, oh, kind of no. face palm, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then Kisses, looking so good on the sprint, had to unclip. Kisses should have yeah. won that race. Like, that's that's what sucks. I'd say hands down, number he one is the, is the post-up. Because that is the photo okay. that Specialized was waiting for okay. that they can never use. I would say number one. That's true. A little Photoshop, they could fix that. <laughs> See, just I like, think I think just what's this giant green screen over here to his right or right? I think number one most egregious is the swerve right before the final turn into the into the finishing straight. They're like a random uh, really? swerve. Was, it was I weird. Think, it was it was wild. He, he almost overlapsed. crashed. He almost crashed yeah. two people and himself. It was uncalled yeah. for. It didn't make any sense. It and was, and the world champion needs to. He needs to, a. He needs to be better than that, and b. He needs to command the respect of the other folks in that group to not overlap his wheels or whatever happened. That I was, don't know. That was number two. That was some bush league stuff. It was a little too like. Yeah. yeah. Number two for me is the post up, uh, because that is just an embarrassment to the jersey that I don't think he'll ever live down, nor should he. Like <laughs> Eric Zabel at Milan San Remo is kind of the poster boy for the early post up. It's the one that everybody pulls the image of when. Somebody posts up early. This one should replace that in all history books as the greatest early post up of all time. It's it's just a huge mistake. And then the the swerving in the sprint, you know, shouldn't be done by a world champ. Mm. It's embarrassing so, as well, but happens all the time. Uh, I, I'll give him that one. So here's the thing, Spencer. I I, I understand where you're going, but I, I want to um, hear little guys I, rankings. I, I, I know. I, we'll get to little guy in just a second. I just want to like get back <laughs> to your comment that uh-huh. on that sprint in the in the. The finishing sprint, and I don't know if you're going to touch on this little guy, and I apologize for interrupting, but my excitement obviously is bleeding through I the, under, uh, I, I the microphone. So excited. Is he looked over his shoulder and saw the guys coming on his left, and then he yeah, like yes. did that immediate swerve on yeah. the finishing sprint that was 
just like Mark Cavendish at the Olympics when he secured the silver medal in the Omnium. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So <laughs> there is a track record for this kind of thing. Uh, excuse me again. Um, that I'm just. Uh, yeah. Oh my god! It was what a bad guy move. That's that. That was going to be why my I was going to rank the the swerve in the sprint as my number one actually because he you know he says in the in the whatever you can read on the internet that he, did, he didn't realize he swerved that much but he looks over his shoulder to check and then he yeah. does the swerve and you've got to you got to believe he looked over and he saw Hershey was on that side and so he mm-hmm. swung that way and he left it open he didn't care about Pogachar and 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 Roglic he wasn't worried about them and Morik at that point you know he 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 went to get rid of Hershey it felt intentional and he prob like he said, oh, I didn't realize I swerved that much. Well, yeah, I think his intent was to swerve just enough to right. keep <laughs> close the door in Hershey, but not make it look bad. And he just made it look bad, unfortunately. So um, that would be my number one, and then the post, and then the other one. But um, go, wait, what, can I say one thing before we go on? Before you, I see the table back to you, Tim. Uh, how, how about that? You think we're going to go about, on from this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to say like uh, Roglic, Pogachar, and Morik in in the top five. Like, holy cow, Slovenia uh, mm-hmm. crushing it as just a nation. Like, it's insane. Teeny, teeny little nation. Anyway, let's talk about that on a couple of things. So, I think what you're getting at, little guy, is the fact that um, Pogachar and um, uh, Roglic got a sweet lead out. From Bahrain McLaren's uh, Matej Morik, the other Slovenian in the race? He had no other choice, though. I mean, he he bridged across, yeah. He did a great job of going to the front yeah. to keep the speed nice. And, yes, I understand where you're going at, but how convenient. He had to hit him. That, no, it's true. It's true. Okay, a couple of things here. Moving on a little bit from the Alaphilippe. Um, I was reading a, a friend of the pod, Spencer Martin's uh, email newsletter, Um beyond the peloton and i kind of agreed with this i was thinking about this when it was happening liege bastogne liege kind of a lame race it's way yeah. too long and the yeah. final 14k is pretty boring right like yeah. th- there's yeah. a there's a bunch well, of good climbing yes there's a crescendo but it's not a crescendo of milan san remo um I would agree that I think the old finish that was in Ons or whatever, the suburb, the like gritty industrial suburb, and you had that long climb and every year we had Dan Martin and the, the panda for a while there. That mm-hmm. that was a better mm-hmm. finish. And then they took the corner and they had the short, you know, 200, 200 meters or whatever to the finish. And, you, you know, that I think was actually a better finish yep. than this where, yes, you go into Liège. Yes, it like finishes in town along the river and it's... It's it's visually pleasant. You you look at it and you think, oh, Liège looks like a nice place I'd visit. Whereas the old race, you were like, this is a great race, and I don't know if I want to go to this depressed former steel town that much. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? But like, I think the old, the finish, you know, I mean, this is the this is more like the finish that they did like in the '90s right now. So it's just these races flip back. But I agree. Yeah, it's just okay. Let's go to the other good news of Liège, best on Liège, and that, of course, is that. Since it's not an ASO race, there's a women's race that gets fairly equal um, uh, billing. Unfortunately, not yeah. equal prize list, but it's still a step in the right direction. Major shout out to Lizzie Digan of Trek Segafredo for the win over Grace Brown and Ellen Van Dyke. Now, gentlemen, just for the fun of it, let me just ask you, what place do you think Annemiek Van Vluten got? I don't know. She's not. I don't. I, I looked at the results briefly and I didn't see her. Yeah, so she must well, be pretty far down. She got like twenty seventh, and then yeah. right in two spots in front of her, Anna Vanderbregen in twenty sixth. Yeah. So sorry, twenty sixth, twenty eighth. Which it's like it just speaks so highly on like the level of the women's field is fantastic that those two women have been head and shoulders the best of the season, right? Mm-hmm. We all agree, near universal. Mm-hmm. And then you have Lizzie Digan winning by some considerable time gaps with her uh, breakaway partner, Grace Brown. Um, yeah. Pretty awesome to see. So it Trek a has a pretty good day. And then on the men's race to top it all off, Richie Port, new favorite of the podcast, apparently <laughs> after the, uh, <laughs> the swindle little guy put on me during the tour de France. And I'm all yeah. in on it. Take 16th Tugging place on those heart in the strings. men's race. Yeah. So uh, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. I, thumbs up for Liege Bastogne Liege. This one is one I will never forget. A little guy. Yes, yes. Were you surprised how long it took me to call you? 
Uh, what, like three seconds? Yeah, I thought it would be <laughs> one second. <laughs> it was a pretty quick, pretty quick call. Um, that's tr- yeah. No, I wasn't surprised. I didn't even have to look at my phone to know it was you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a wonderful day. Well, guys, what do you know? We we got through Philippe in just 20 minutes time. So I think we have uh, plenty of time to um, get on to some other bike racing. Before we get Let's to the topic that everyone is emailing us about, we'll do that after the, uh, the pre-lap when we get to the uh, team kits and some listener emails. But I do want to get into a couple of other um, quick things. Of course, that's the Juro on the front end. Um, it was pointed out, uh, mm-hmm. and I forgot the listener's name. I'll, I'll try to pull it up after the pre-lap that uh, Giro, three weeks this year, as always, three time trials, all three time trials on Saturdays or Sundays on the weekend. Yeah, what's up with that? Kind of brutal. brutal. Since when did the since when did the Giro become the Tour de France, and when did the Tour de France become the Volta, and the Volta become the Tour de France? <laughs> I don't know. It's musical <laughs> chairs. Um, it is musical here. chairs. Let me let me go with some pros and cons. Let me ask you guys pros and cons on the Giro. Stage one, super windy okay. time trial. Loved it. Loved the disc wheels, just kind of blowing riders all over the course. Actually, kind of entertainment, entertaining uh, time trial with it mostly being downhill. Major shout outs to Rick Zobel, who took a, a a road bike and just sprinted up the climb as fast as humanly possible to take the climber's jersey, which has to be like, hey, dad, where was your climber's jersey? Yeah. Like moment. You gotta nice. go, you can go far. <laughs> um, M- Miguel Angel Lopez with arguably the most difficult Ugh. crash I've ever had to see uh, crashing on an opening time trial, literally one K away from the finish line. After hitting a bump yeah, and that. grabbing a face full of front brake, definitely disappointing and very painful to see. But in yep. the Giro itself, Astana now also lost out on the Russian Wonderkin, the Wonder Boy, yep. who left of um, you know sick like symptoms. Hmm. And then just Tommy last Ake. week, Lusenko, also of Astana, tested positive for COVID. So yeah, I trouble for eh. Astana. Yeah, and you and full saying, full saying is down now. Two of his best lieutenants. So, uh, if you put money on full saying to win the Giro on roller derby, unfortunately, you will mm-hmm. not be winning. And then today was a classic Giro stage with a nice uphill finish. That was pretty rad to see, with Ulysses taking the win. So, the Giro kind of mm-hmm. gave us a, you know, a ham sandwich, if you will, with just three time trials yeah. on the weekends, and then. <laughs> Well, they kind of make up for it, and tomorrow they're racing up the side of Mount Etna, yeah. a volcano. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, this this will drop post-Etna. But yeah, stage three, up up a volcano. The Giro knows how to do it. They don't mess around. Like, every other day is, <laughs> is basically a different race. They don't seem to do the as much of the blocking of the tour. They're like, mountain stage, sprint stage, sprint, you know, back to a mountain stage. Then they do a nice breakaway stage. Thomas DeGent's going to get one. How into the Giro are you guys this year? I'm actually really into I, it because I don't know who half these riders are after Garrett Thomas and uh, <laughs> Steets, whatever Yates brother it is. Yeah. I have not I, – I will admit I have watched none so far because we have had Liege, we had Bink Bank, and we had all this mountain biking this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to admit the Giro – I mean I guess I saw like a second of the Giro, but I, I'm excited about it because of that. I always think the second – I don't want to say second tier because that's kind of like I don't want to I don't want to disparage any of these GC guys, but you know what I mean. Like we got the A game at the tour, and I like these races where you kind of get the guy. You're like, oh yeah, Micah did get on the Volta podium five years ago, but does he still have it? And who's I'm this, I'm more excited Carapaz about this. Like, <laughs> who's this Kelderman fellow? You know, I I, yeah. I want to rediscover lost mm-hmm. love. Basically, that's what I want. Hey, and that, hey and it's the Estonian I, I rider expect. to Neil Kangert. This is his race. This is his moment yeah. to shine. This is um, this is Kangert's time to shine, man. Spencer, are you uh, pretty stoked on the Giro, or were you more of a, a Liège mountain bike bink bank for the weekend? Uh, yeah, that was my weekend. I figure I got three weeks to warm into the Giro. Um, opening time trial doesn't really do it for yeah. me as far as, uh, um, you know, TV time is concerned. Uh, so... A lot of other things vying for, for my watching uh, hours these days, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. It's um, 
I think I'm kind of into this condensed schedule. I, I think maybe cycling should be three months and all in every the fall. Year. Just take just over pack, cyclocross season. Yeah, just pack all the racing. <laughs> we in. say that now. Let me have my summers yeah. back. Let me have my weekends back. Yeah. And then just jam it all into October, uh, September, October, maybe a little in November. And, you know, those those are kind of throwaway months I, anyway. I, it's not going to be like you. January, though. Do you know what the best part about Liege withdrawal. was? The best part about Liege was it was spring classics weather, <laughs> right? Like yes. it was kind of crappy, a little cold. Um, we're also going to get the same type of like uh, early May Giro. Like, ooh, are they going to be able to pass a Stelvio? Oh, no, probably not because there's like 10, 10 feet of snow <laughs> on the top of the pass. Um, Bink Bank, yeah. let's talk touch on that uh, super briefly. Uh, mentioned it at the top. Matthew Vanderpool uh, caught wind that Wout Van Aert had a really good spring and he just launched a vicious 50K solo effort. Um, and then fast forward the next day, Matthew Vanderpool cleans up in the Liège, I guess, group sprint. He led the second group across the road, and every time they would pan back mm-hmm. to the second group, no one was working with Matthew Vanderpool. Yeah, well, sh- That's a weird, sh- shades weird of Amstel right there is what it was. Nobody wanted to be that guy we, again. Only so. 14 seconds back. I mean, I mean, it, it was pretty impressive, uh, Matthew so, Vanderpool. what? So yeah, obviously Bing Pank, he went on a 50k solo move to win the stage, win the overall of shortened because they canceled some stages. What do you guys think? If he hadn't done that, if he just had a normal day and done a couple openers, do you think he would have won Liège? It's insane to do a 50k solo and then come in the next day and do a 257k monument oh, and pull six. Little guy, 50k so, up the mirror like ten times. Yeah. Let me let me let me just clarify a little guy's question here. You're asking me if I think the guy who did a 50k solo effort the day before and then only finished 14 seconds yes. back uh, from the best in the world, the world champion. If I thought he might do, you know, if he might be able to well, win that race. Yeah, I think he might have been able to win that race, and I don't think that he didn't win that race because of that move either. Yeah. You know. I just think he uh, he didn't make the right move. Yeah, it's very it's it's very cyclocross rider esque to be like, uh, you know, I know I to do a double weekend with a monument, but like, yeah, treat the first day as kind of I'll just throw caution in the wind and basically do an opener for the next day. Like, yeah, I'll so, feel I'll feel like crap tomorrow, but I'll probably race better. You know, he probably just just did a nice normal effort for him for fifty k. You know, do you like, so bonkers? Uh, it is. Um, oh, so much to get to. Let's roll into a little bit of mountain bike real quick, guys. So they're doubling up. It's kind of like Formula One where they're just doing two World Cup races on the same track, basically. So you had Nova Mestro twice. You had two short track um, races as well. Um, I had a friend come up with this hot take that short track mountain biking is better than cross-country mountain biking. I kind of agree. I'm liking the 20-minute middle of the workday. I got the little sidecar. Next to my computer here, got it on, and then it's like, oh, 20 minutes of just short track awesomeness. The men's and women's races on both days were amazing. Then you go into the long-form cross-country race today. PFP put on a dominating performance. And then on the men's mm-hmm. side, friend of the pod, uh, Bill Scheichen of Cycross Radio, said on Twitter, I believe, it was the best last lap in a UCI World Cup race he's ever seen. And mm. it's kind of, I mean, there's eight, yeah. what, eight riders? Bar to bar? It was amazing. Yeah. I loved every second. Granted, there's a dirt Zamboni. You know, everyone critiques it's not real single track or whatever. It looked amazing. <laughs> I loved every second of it. And, uh, oh, it was so good. Yeah. No, it's, we are unbelievably spoiled for good bike racing. Not just that there's a lot of racing, but literally we had, the last four days we've had unbelievably great racing every day. Yeah. One thing that really blew my mind at, at some of that mountain bike stuff was on some of the early laps when there's a lot of traffic, <laughs> one guy would occasionally lose the wheel and have to get off and run. And it was way faster to run on some of the uphills, like the Rudy uphills. And I kept wanting these guys to just run on purpose, but they would only run when they were forced to because they're mountain bikers. They're not crossers. And all I could think of was Vanderpool, like, rolling in there, throwing the bike on the shoulder, running past everybody, and how much I wanted to see intentional now, running. 
I know our uh-huh. friends in mountain bike land, by the way, I just cut in real quick. <clears throat> Henry Avicini takes the win for um, Brazil. So I believe it's the first time a Brazilian has won a World Cup mountain bike race. And then earlier in the week, the short track race was won by the uh, Mexican rider. Um, and that was also mm-hmm. fantastic to see. And he got yeah. cr- almost crashed out by Schroeder yeah. the next the next time. Yeah, Schroeder was like, "Hey, this is my area." So I can't I can't let you get too far away from your hot take about uh, the short track, um, because while I love the short track and I think it's a great style of racing and fun to watch, it in no way is better than the long cross country races. In absolutely no way. Um, Pack racing in a mountain bike is a fun and entertaining thing for 20 minutes, but uh, it is, it is not what I want to watch uh, for. It's not what I want to see mountain and that, biking. And that be. the rider you know, from Mexico, uh, sorry, is Jose Uloa. But mm-hmm. yeah, Spencer, I, I hear you. I, I will say this is that the, the, the way that Red Bull presents both races, it's fantastic. Maybe I would argue that, the short track points should count for more. I like that they do do the staging and whatever you race in the short track, whatever bike you race in the short track, you have to use for the, the cross country race. I, I like that. Yep. I'd say I like that too. double down on the points a little bit more. Let, let's see a little bit more points for that short track. I, I really want to see people go all out, maybe even find a way to do heats because there are so many more starters in the cross country race, but I think they're only allowing 34, the top 35 in the short track race or something like that. So it's a, you know, a little bit more condensed field. It'd be cool to see, um, everyone getting a shot at the short track, but, oh, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. So red bull.tv slaying it once again, I continue to be bullish on mountain. Bike. Yeah. Mount- <laughs> mountain bike has really figured out how to present itself, um, to non cycling fans mm-hmm. to, to, I don't know. They, they've just kind of created a package deal that, that you can just kind of plop down on the couch and watch whenever I don't have to figure out if it's on GCN or flow bikes or Eurosport or some <laughs> sketchy feed somewhere, you know, like I'm just like, Oh, let's see what's on Red Bull TV. Pop open the Apple TV app. Bang, boom. It's done. I'm watching some mountain biking. They've got the replays up within hours it's fantastic. I didn't wake up at five thirty in the morning to watch the women's race today, but I did watch it as Is soon it? as I woke up. Oh. You know, it was great. How could I forget about the women's short track race? Evie Richards winning the race after she crashed at the start of the last lap. Like she crashed and she got on her yeah. bike. Like and even the announcer, um, bless his heart, I don't even know his name, but he's just like. Oh, it's the cycle cross racing. And you're like, get out of here. Like, I don't want to hear like the horrible announcers. I, I kind of want Phil Liggett to start doing mountain bike racing. I think he could do a better job. Oh my God. But okay. I'm just kidding. He's actually, they're both pretty decent announcers, but Evie Richards getting back on her bike so fast and winning the race after crashing. Mm -hmm. It was amazing to see. I loved every Mm -hmm. second of it. Oh my God. What a wonderful week guys. It started so bad, <laughs> and it ended so, so good. Well, mount, mountain bike, you think the road season is wild. Like, the mountain bike season is even crazier. They've had two World Cup races now. They had one on <laughs> yeah. Wednesday, and they had one today, and yep. they've got Worlds Completely nuts. next. That's that's their entire season in two weeks. It's that's Yeah, I'm kind of surprised more people weren't just, just so cool. crashing each other on purpose, considering how cr- short the season is. Like, it feels like everything <laughs> is on the line in such yeah. a way that, like... Now, I, I don't want to get us too off the rails, uh, because I, I don't actually remember who we gave our championship oh belt to last, but I just want to shout out former championship belt and potentially current championship belt holder, um, Celine uh, yes. Alvarado, for winning... Her first World Cup in the U23 that, uh, today and uh, having some great results okay. all week. Spencer, you brought up a very, very real thing. So the women's championship belt right now is with Celine Del Carmen, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And she all did right. win the U23. I would argue Sandbagger. Yeah. P- yeah. PFP's performance was pretty amazing. I don't think that there's like the need for like a, uh, you know, to, to re redistribute well, the belt. I think it's okay for... No, she absolutely did win the not. U23 race. Here's my 10-second take on this. Uh, just talking about what you just brought up. PFP winning a mountain bike World Cup 
is kind of expected, yeah. right? Like, oh, okay, yeah, she should be up there. That makes sense. Elvarado, this was her first one. You know, like never been like no idea how she's going to do on the mountain bike crushes it. So I think that's a more dominant performance. So who, has we, the, who has the belts on the men's side? I don't know. I, I this is the problem is I feel like we we are far enough back. We're, we're debating uh, Alvarado to have the belt on the women's side. But it's like shouldn't have Van Vluten have had it for mm-hmm. the fact that she won like the first five races of the we, women's road season. <laughs> We probably did and, give it to her. I don't. I don't remember. And I think the ski yeah. jumper might have. And, the and belt. then no, Vandebregen should have had it for a while. I don't know what to do. I, you know. I'm looking here. Like the belt, I I thought did go to Lachlan Martin for a little while, right? He did have oh it for God. a while when he when he ever. <laughs> well, at the it, I think part of the it was when he had Everstein, which we haven't even touched on the fact that somebody stole the Everstein crown again. That's how. So Alvarado was the is. initial. The initial belt holder for the women. I'm looking at the official records here. Right. So okay. you got the official records okay. out. And then yeah. glad you yeah, had. So I, I had to blow Very the official. dust off uh, from episode 305. Um, so Alvarado has the belt currently. So the question is, like, we I okay. think we probably just maintain it at this point with with a major asterisk that we should probably revisit this more often. Update it more often, um, like we said uh-huh. we would. <laughs> but I think that Lachlan Morton. Um, took it away from Matthew Vanderpool, and we were like, "Hey, during quarantine, it's just you know, it's great to see old buddy, you know, having good luck." And I will say that the there's a new okay. um, Eversting record holder yeah. that now like is sub seven minutes, like six hours fifty two. So sorry, Lachlan, um, you don't even have that anymore. I mean, granted, he is doing the Giro, I believe, but yeah, um, he's busy. I think the men's definitely can move on um, at this point. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll just vote right now. I just want to cast a ballot right now. I don't again. Don't want to take us too far off our agenda, but I I think the surprise of the last few weeks, maybe not the greatest rider, but a belt winner, the biggest dark horse, it's got to be Kisses. Yeah, I think you got to give it to Hershey. I, yeah, I think that's, that's true. A, that is super solid. I mean, think of his results across the board. Yeah, they've been stellar. They've been consistent, and he's out of nowhere as far as you know, major stars are concerned, yeah. like right. unexpected. So Hershey is going to get it here. I'll give it to Hershey. Um, okay. it to Episode 316. Perfect. Unanimous. Unanimous. That was our easiest belt transition ever. So congratulations to Hershey. Now the champion. And with the, on the, you know, real life interview, let's go to our field reporter, Michael mm-hmm. Matthews, who's catching up with kisses after Liege best on Liege after he left the Giro where he got fourth place uh-huh. in the stage yeah, two he's spread. really busy dude but you know what he's he's willing to work for us it's nice hi I'm Hugh Carthy from Education First Cross Island and I don't listen to the Flow Ride podcast All right, guys, here we are in the Prim Lap. We'd like to thank all of the listeners and subscribers of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head on over to WideAnglePodium.com to find out more on how you can support our family of shows. We have a wide range of shows to choose from and to listen to to meet all of your cycling and training needs. In particular, shout out to Nowhere Fast, available on Apple iTunes and uh, or Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, check out basically the best Zwift indoor racing coverage that you can possibly get, um, from our friend, uh, Zach mm-hmm. Schuster and, uh, some other legends of indoor cycling joining him mm-hmm. along the way. Um, always great to see. So go ahead and check that out by going to wideanglepodium.com or searching for nowhere fast on both wherever you get your podcasts, I guess would be the easiest thing to say. And always. Our returning new sponsor. You guys absolutely slayed the read last week. And it was so important from Willa's Oat Milk. I'll let you guys take it away. But there's a couple of things that I want to say that I have failed to mention. (laughs) Not only did the door, uh, Elena door, crush us all on the velodrome many times. Great to see. One of the owners of Willa's Oat Milk is that the product is fantastic. It's a woman-owned business of women cyclists. And everyone should check it out by going to willaskitchen.com and using the promo code SLOWRIDE20 to save 20% on their order. 
the quick bullet points are it's organic, it's vegan, it's non-GMO, it's a women-owned business, soon to be a certified B Corp, and yes, it's delicious. It's better for you than most oat milks out there. They use the whole oat, so it's delicious, and you're getting all the actual nutrients you need to crush me, Tim, and Spencer on the track. <laughs> it must have been the, the secret the whole time, yeah? I mean, <laughs> seems like Definitely. it. Oh, so good. And finally, in the prem lap this week, once again, our good friends over at Grimper Brothers who bring you not one, but two exclusive blends for Wide Angle Podium um, listeners. And those blends have both to do Hello Cyclocross Friends, which is an espresso blend. And then we have Listener Mail, which is specific blend for our friends over at Bike Shop CX. To find out more, you're going to go to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee to see these selections and each purchase as a way to support the network. And little guy. Well, I was just going to say you're going to – other than my thing, I was going to say you need that right now because you, you have so much bike racing to watch. There's no time to sleep. You're going to need extra coffee. Very true. And don't Absolutely. be a skimper. Serve them grimper. There you go. All right, guys. Let's get back to it. All right, we're at the time of the show where we read listener mail. We read reviews that people leave on Apple Podcasts. But I think we need to um, do a quick detour down arguably the thing that I thought was going to lead the pod until Alaphilippe's glorious return to my life. On Sunday. <laughs> yes. And of course, that is Education First new Juro kit. Oh. Lots of rumors going on about Education First possibly going away, um, becoming defunct, no longer being in existence because uh, the entire foundation of Education First is um, foreign language exchange trips, which shockingly no one is doing right now. Yeah, a little difficult. Um, We'd hate to see them go. I hope those rumors are not true. But if they are, they have brought us and little guy in particular, (laughs) arguably (laughs) (laughs) the most glorious kit to be revealed in what? The last 15, 20 years in cycling. It was, it was big. It was exciting. Yeah. It was. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So I think if, if we go back last 15 to 20 years, Cycling kits have been pretty, pretty bland. There's tame. been some gradients. You yeah, know, you kind of got Kelme. Kelme Cal- was a little shocking. But you never yeah. had something that stuck up to, like, the, the Carrera jeans. No. You haven't had something that has totally shocked the world to just full-on mm. disgust. Maybe the EF kit recently, just the kind of hypercolor one that we've seen. But I'm talking the general cycling fans. Bicycling yes. Magazine, huge story on this kit on the front page of their website. <laughs> that is how powerful this kit redesign was. The yep. only thing that ruined this kit, in my eyes, was the was the campaign email from Rafa that they sent out called dis- hashtag, hashtag design to disrupt, which kind of made me a little mad because this kit is just so glorious anyway. Oh, I didn't know about that, so I'll just pretend I don't know about that, so it can stay. Yeah, the I have no idea about that. thing in the peloton. I think it's there, especially. Be, yeah, the it hit me upside the head. I guess that's that's what was so good about it. I hadn't been smacked in the face by a kit since I first <laughs> got those VHS tapes from the library, brought them home, popped it in, and saw that Castorama kit the first time, and just felt myself floored with both disgust and love. And this mm-hmm. was all of that again. Um, I, did you guys think when I saw Vodder's tweet, I thought it was a joke. I, I thought I had, it was a joke. I thought I had percent a joke. I had to cross-reference it. I mean, I spent like 10 yeah. minutes like confirming before I, bef- I mean, I, I just was like, this, this can't be real cause it's too good. Cycling wouldn't treat me this well. What do you guys think about a skateboard company saving cycling? <laughs> saving a team. Like, <laughs> right? like, 
I feel like uh, there isn't really a lot of crossover. I mean, street wear, street culture, the kids, the youth doesn't really scream Giro d'Italia to me. So I don't know where this came from, but it's amazing. That's part of what's amazing. What's so amazing? What's so amazing about this kit? A variety so of things. things. One is you've got like the max headroom grid, right? Like the, the space grid kind of red checkerboard on the black field. And then out of nowhere, you just got a duck. That's amazing. And we haven't even talked about the time trial helmets. They somehow made the ugliest time trial helmet in the world. Those, those pock mushroom so helmets good, so bad. with the duck bill look amazing. And then they have that weird kind of triangle thing on the back, which apparently according to um, palace skateboards, it's called the triferg where it just says palace around it. Everything about it is glorious, except the shorts. The, the shorts could have been improved. It seems like they skimped on the shorts. Well, they, um, they just kind of looks they, like redid they ran the jersey and the bikes. No. Yeah, Spencer's <laughs> right. That was it. They only had so many toner cartridges. I love everything about this kit. I love the weird sponsorships. I love the weird logos and everything. The only thing I don't like about it is that there's still just that weird solitary white band that Rafa puts on every arm of every jersey that they've ever made. But who are the faces mm. above that band, though? I don't know. But I'm just like, Rafa, come on. You couldn't You couldn't just this once? <laughs> That's their thing, I guess, you know? Who is the, um, is it the Ecuadorian national champion? Education first? Because his mm-hmm. specific kit is is amazing. Remember, actually. That is maybe the most incredible thing that's been pulled off with this kit is that despite how Alex garish is. it is and despite how outlandish and wild it is, whether you love it or hate it, they still did a better job with their national championship kit than every other team in the peloton right now definitely better than uae that's jonathan casito and ap- apologies um of team ef uh, from ecuador national champion what an amazing like he got the one off the one off like, that's one-off. the best part yeah. right let's talk about the negatives None. of this kid let's move on one mitch docker isn't wearing it that's true i can't think of any other negatives yeah like, if there's one person on the team that deserves this kit, it's Mitch Docker. Yeah, but I mean, heck, who knows what they're doing for the Volta or the Classics. Maybe they're going to pull something out for the Classics, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is... So here's a question for you. EF, I'm sure Education First, like the corporate Education First, like they own the team, right? They got the license. I'm sure they have a design team or like the, you know, the individual that's in charge of like the branding of Education First. Like they, they created the design book. It's like, okay, this is the logo that shows up on any type of, you know, marketing flyer, any type of advertisement. It goes through that right. person to make sure that yeah. the education first brand remains. Right. They've got a brand book with and a style guide and yeah. all that. Yes. And and they have the overseer mm-hmm. of that. Uh it would be in control of this and then they they kind of sometimes have a, you know, they get kind of get a bad rap because you're not having any fun, but they're like, "Hey, I'm protecting right. the They're like, "Hey, that Pantone is not the correct one. Yeah. It's it's a couple yeah. points off. It, it, super important yeah. job. I wish I was a fly in the room yeah. when this kit showed up. Well, and they're like, wait, what? I imagine the discussion went something like this. They open the file, they look at it, and they say, hey, uh, Karen, is there anything in the brand book about a duck standing on top of our logo? No? Okay. I guess I'll approve this one. <laughs> it is so amazing. Yeah. Why not? Oh. Oh, it's so good. Well, if any of the journalists that are actually the real journalists that are there, uh, maybe we get Michael Matthews to ask. I, I am curious as to who the riders are that are showing up in the shoulders of the kit. If anyone knows, please email us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com. Um, we'd like to thank all the listeners that uh, also emailed us and tweeted at us this kit the listen to the slow ride podcast once um it was amazing to see this thing uh being developed in a uh, person little guy yes uh did you place your order already or are you waiting uh you know you waiting for some sort of sale or what's going on well yeah you know i mean 
financially times aren't the greatest, maybe for everybody. So I'm waiting for the sale still. Um, but I, I would. Well, if there's ever an investment that I think is going to make a return, <laughs> I think this is it. That's true. But buy one to wear and buy one to leave in yeah. the packaging to throw so on I, eBay in five years. Exactly. Oh yeah. man, those bikes look sick too. We didn't even, <laughs> we didn't touch on the fact how nice the bikes like the the graphics on the white Cannondale's. It, it's the first good looking Cannondale since Cipollini. I just hope that other teams are going to do these kinds of just like way outside the box collaborations because so many people were talking about this kit. I went to the fantasy cycling draft that I do for the Grand Tours, and everyone oh, yeah. there yeah. was talking about it. And there's a lot of people who were like, I don't like it. But everyone knew about education first and learned about Palace Skateboard. <laughs> yeah, it totally works. And it, I think especially with Specialized dropping that total dud of a world champion yeah. bike, and then you have Cannondale coming in this weekend hot with ducks all over their goofy white bikes, man. they Amazing that here we are almost uh, 50, 50 minutes into the podcast, and we're just now getting to um, uh, the fast lane to ending a – <laughs> young professional cycling career. Um, Quinn Simmons uh, getting uh, placed on the mm-hmm. bench for the remainder of the year after... I-, I don't even know how to explain it other than just being horrible on Twitter and then using... I mean, digital blackface, I guess, would be the the term from, you know, the using an emoji that is not yourself to wave by to a journalist that can't... You know, it was basically saying, hey, mm-hmm. what a crap show that debate was um presidential debate so definitely very political but this obviously wasn't the first time that quinn simmons has ventured down yeah this this was just the straw that broke the camel's back like he has a track record of being yes and i think that that's important so a lot of people would start talking about cancer culture all they want well just go back to you know see when in the peak of the after the the George Floyd um, murder and other things happening when USA cycling was getting called out on their lack of diversity on both their teams and the way that Quinn Simmons seemed to kind of come out of nowhere to go after the Williams brothers, Corey Williams, when the Williams Mm -hmm. brothers were openly talking about how they never got a look at the national team or right. Like ever being invited to camps and here are multi-time national champions and then Quinn Simmons coming out of the blue on Instagram along with his mom uh, to basically just fill up Corey Williams' Instagram yeah. page with just hate and vitriol. Yeah. I, there's no, no other way he, to really uh, say it, right? He didn't have a good track record no, before this. True. And, you know, um, you just can't act like that as a professional athlete who gets paid to represent sponsors and brands. There's, there's no way that you're getting out of that without, you know, like being sent to the minors basically, um, or shipped off to somewhere and cycling doesn't work quite like all other sports, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone get benched by their team before. And kudos to Trek Segafredo for, for taking that one on the chin, you know, and dealing with it. It's kind of a couple of things here. Um, first off, he gets benched, right? And then, and then Mm -hmm. the, the, the QAnon bots, just started blowing up about. Well, yeah, it got picked up by like Fox News and everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean yeah. Hannity was uh, getting involved, but then uh, luckily yeah. for Quinn all, Simmons, but all the people who care about cycling deeply. Yeah, all the people that care about cycling deeply. I guess this is. Yeah. I I don't know if this would be a good or bad. I guess it would be. Quinn Simmons is kind of lucky that right when this was starting to pick steam, pick up steam was what Thursday night, kind of Friday, and then that's when President Trump. Uh, announced that he was positive for COVID, so it kind of totally <laughs> fell off the map of news. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, much yeah. joy the this bots, week. The bots had something so, else to oh do. So the, the, the bots had something else to do. So then Quinn Simmons lost like all the momentum of him being the martyr for you know free speech as yeah. he was like arguing and all that. And it's just still, it's just like it's the track record. Which, um, yeah, which is great. I, I want a quick shout out um, Josie Bean, who was yeah. the. Uh, uh, recipient of most of that hate because she was the one who just tweeted her opinion on her own personal Twitter account that he went out of his way to respond to that started this and, a whole thing. And she was getting slammed by bots from every direction. Like she had to shut down her account for a while. And, uh, you know, it was just completely uncalled for. Well, 
Um, yeah. And what, uh, let's also say that um, if you are a professional cyclist, you probably don't want to block the editors or journalists for major media outlets for cycling. Cycling tips, yeah. for mm-hmm. example, he had blocked Kaylee Fretz. Uh, why would you do that? Like why, why, why would you um, block the, 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 yeah. the main outlet that is going to, you know, talk about your career? Well, because your career is yeah, over. Well, maybe as a 19 year old, he will um, become uh, That's more true. aware and uh, hold himself to account as well. We can only hope. Hope so. Um, hope so. Guys, we do have some time for a couple of quick emails. Are you guys game? 100%. Sure. Always. All right. So... This one was really good. This one comes into us from uh, DV, and I apologize if the name is off. DV from Portland, Maine. The climbing chain. I was recently recently watching Flow Bikes coverage of some race, and Johnny Sunt referenced to someone going full Schleck, which got me thinking about a possible business venture for the Slow Ride Pod. Now, hear me Sounds out. Good. Uh-huh. I love want, it. I love it already. Want to scale mountains like Richard Veronk? Dance on the pedals like Bugard or Menkov? Or fly like an angel like Christophe Moreau? What you need is the slow ride climbing chain. For only four for only nine ninety nine, you too can have your very own climbing chain and as a bonus for free to the first fifty people, your choice of a cross, wedding ring, fogood, gold, or shark tooth. In all seriousness, amazing podcast. I've been listening for the past eighteen months, having coming into cycling racing a few years before. Before you love late nineties, early two thousand references. Keep up the great content, <laughs> Davy. I absolutely love this idea. I think just a couple of things I would change on the pitch. But do you guys have anything at all on this pitch? Uh, I mean, hit me. Uh, I mean, I think the price needs to be higher. Yeah. But other I, than I, that, I, I think like yeah, like for <laughs> only two payments of nineteen ninety nine, you too can have uh-huh. your very own chi- climbing chain, and as a bonus. We'll send you a second for free, right? Like, like that would be the, like you kind of, we we figure out some kind mm. of um, gimmick, like, uh-huh. oh, you can actually change what's on your chain, your climbing chain. So we'll give you the chain, and then you can choose two of the multiple pendants. Uh, well, what if we okay. do a, a a standard climbing chain that's two hundred grams, and then we do a lightweight <laughs> climbing chain that's only a hundred and eighty grams. Yeah, but it's four times the money. Oh, definitely at least four times the money. Uh, Titanium. <laughs> a couple of other things. We got an email from a friend of the pod, Colby Large, out of I believe he's in British Columbia. Um, he hit us up with just a hey, have a close look at this. Looks like Yolanda Neff has started bad helmet decal decals all the way up here into Canada. Please help us. Oh, yes. It was a screen grab of an Instagram <laughs> oh, post no. of another yes. rider um, from Jackaroo, Canada. Um, so that'd be Cindy Montembeau um, with a helmet card decal. Um, oh, so disappointing to see, but we all know it's coming. It's it's like the last piece of uh, real estate that um, that hasn't been totally maximized. And after we saw what Palace Skateboards did to the uh, the giant helmet from uh, Pac, it's only uh, fitting that we're going to see more of this. I, li- I like uh, Matt Baldwin. Hit us decals up. everywhere. Cycling fandom. It's your old friend, Matt, from Tampa. It's been a while, but don't worry. I've been listening every week and spreading the word by f- of by far the best cycling podcast out there. Well, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Your discussion on this week's pod about the nuanced nature of cycling fandom was spot on. I have struggled with this for years with casual fans, new cyclists, and even my wife. It is frustrating, but also what makes the sport so great. It is as if there is a secret code of who to root for that can only be understood with time. If only it was as easy as watching the WWE, where the heels and the heroes are so clearly defined. Do you think anyone actually cheered for the Iron Sheik over Sergeant Slaughter? No way. <laughs> My wife has finally learned her lesson. And instead of me trying to explain why cheering against Ala Philippe feels so good while pulling for Bling Matthews is the right thing to do, she just asked me who to cheer for. And one more observation on Pogacar's time trials. Yeah, so, so real quick, I... I do think that Philippe, after the performance at Liège, Bastogne, Liège, clearly is the mm-hmm. bad guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you Currently. can like the bad yes. guy. There are people that like the bad guys, but that he is now the bad guy. Yes. But I think the best thing about cycling is the bad guy changes. Yes. Like, Philippe is the bad guy right now, 
But just a couple bad results, and then Hershey wins the next seven races, and suddenly we're all like, I hate that Hershey guy. Where'd he come from? He has no right being so know. good when he's so young. I, and I, then we're all into Alaphilippe again, you know? No, no, little guy, a couple things here. I, I understand where you're coming from. I don't think, I don't think that okay. you can become a bad guy so quickly when you've had so much success right away. Like, I think, or not right away, but like out of nowhere. So Hershey coming in like, in the in the wrestling parlance, you know, strap a rocket to his back. He's going to the moon. Like that guy is so over. Everyone is cheering for Hershey. It's gonna. It will take something catastrophic for him to fall down and become the bad guy for a while. In fact, he could just become the new Consolera. He's got the Swiss story, and you know, Consolera never really like, as far as I know, was never really the bad guy except for maybe the electronic maybe. shifting in his bike. So like, you kind of you kind of have some tweeners yeah. um, there. But I will say that. Um, yeah, like like Matt is getting to here, Iron Sheik over Slar- Sergeant Slaughter. No one's cheering for that. I I find it hard to believe a ton of people cheering for Alaphilippe. But but our podcast is is basically predicated <laughs> on the fact that we currently cheer for Valverde. We're coming around to Michael Matthews, uh-huh. and we come around to Richie Port. Which uh-huh. these are all riders who we spent portions, large portions of the earlier episodes slamming. Only 300 and... Th- I mm-hmm. challenged someone to find an episode where we talked bad about any of those riders. <laughs> I I, I guarantee you at some point in a year or two, we're still doing this, right? We'll be, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be talking about Alaphilippe. We were amongst the three yeah. who, when Alaphilippe dropped out of the 2015 Worlds in Richmond, popped up on the big screen, and that whole field oh. of people went, ah, and groaned. We all collectively wanted Alaphilippe the new young gun a la Hershey currently to win right. at that moment. Right. And look how we are. That's the beauty of cycling. Yeah. Well, and Matt continues, one more observation about Pogacar's time trial at the tour. <laughs> I thought it was incredibly convenient that the bike he hopped on for the climb had no computer or power meter. It was sold in the press as a way to say not let the data hold him back. But it's also conveniently left no trace of power data to be analyzed or scrutinized. <laughs> I wonder if that is something that he has done in previous time trials or tough stages. Keep up the great podcast analysis and banter. I look mm. forward to it every week. Matt from Tampa, major shout outs, Matt. Thanks for um, coming along. What do you guys think about this whole, yeah. shouldn't the data just be public for everybody? What do you, how, how do you think Garrett Thomas felt about <laughs> seeing that quote? Oh, he was so mad about that. How do you do it? Roglic's data came out from that time trial. So you can see how hard Roglic went to get fifth and extrapolate and make stuff up to decide what you think Pogachar did. So, yeah. Oh man. It's just the wonderful life of a cycling fan. I think we actually did a pretty good job here of keeping this relatively tight for arguably the greatest week in the history of the slow ride podcast. Um, I know at the top I was talking it's about true. how much Alaphilippe just outshone the fact that my son learned how to ride a bike. But I cannot stress again, little guy. You have been there. Um, yes, I, there great. is nothing cooler than seeing a three-year-old learn how to ride a bike. And again, major shout-outs to uh, um, Colby Cheesy up there in North Carolina for hooking us up with the bike. Um, it was fantastic. I love it. I know a friend of the pod, Tyler uh, Dennison, hooked you up, little guy, with the pedal bike mm-hmm. for uh, yes, Tumboon and Tumboon. And, and here we are. We're ready to take over the world. We are going to be the best bike parents and you know what little guy oh yeah we're not going to be jumping mm-hmm. into instagram feuds because <laughs> our kids aren't going to be that way oh no 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 how, how many miles did your kid do today tim because i mean mine i oh, don't know i'm just joking uh yeah i know right well mine's already at threshold 75 watts it was amazing <laughs> the biggest disappointment about this episode is that you know for time's sake we did have to cut all the discussion we had planned about the everesting challenge uh victory that recently <laughs> happened Maybe next week we'll get to our top 10 lists that got all types of chatter, including arguably yeah. the best ratio in the history of the Slow Ride Podcast <laughs> Twitter account. Let's do a quick recap for everyone keeping track at home. We have a new championship belt on the men's side with Hershey, a.k.a. Kisses, taking it um, away from Lachlan Morton. And Carmen Del Alvarado is retaining on the women's side um, with the impressive performance of U23 mountain bike racing for a cyclocross superstar. Watch out to everybody in the women's professional peloton because Carmen Alvarado is for definitely someone to watch. 
Gentlemen, this was so much fun. It was so great to share all the news and to wallow in the glory that was Philippe this week at Liège Bastogne Liège. All right, guys, and here we are at the end. I would like to thank absolutely all of the listeners and supporters that go to WideAnglePodium.com and donate. It is for you that we do this show, and we're able to bring it to your earwaves every week. We'd also like to thank Willa's Kitchen for their continued support with the best oat milk in the business. Head on over to willaskitchen.com and use the promo code SLOWRIDE20 to save 20% on your next order. And we would like to thank our friends over at Gripper Brothers. Head over to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee to find out about the two great blends. And with the greatest week in the history of cycling, this is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Searching for the stories outside of cycling, but still inside cycling? The Gravelot is a weekly interview series where we talk about our shared experiences in the cycling community and talk with people that we think you guys might be interested in. Absolutely. And the Gravelot is actually not always about gravel, but it is the place that is your local trailhead. It could be the meetup parking lot where you meet your friends. Or the post-ride watering hole. It's really the place where you sit down, share your stories, and talk about life. Yeah, and dive into the things that really matter to you on two wheels or beyond. The Gravelot has brand new episodes every single Thursday morning, along with a bi-weekly editorial column every other Tuesday. So check out the show, check out the beeline, and join the conversation and find out all you need to know about The Gravelot at thegravelot.com.